0: you guys for tuning into this week's episode it will include the first six laws of the 48 laws of power written by robert green and every week from here on out until i finish the book i'll have six different laws every single week to go over and hope you guys enjoy the show thank you all for your support welcome to the podcast this is episode i believe number nine and today i want to talk about this book that i've absolutely fallen in love with uh the 48 laws of power written by was it robert yes robert green who's written a lot of novels that i'll eventually get to read but I've been holding off from reading this book and I really don't know why, because this book is magnificent. And this isn't the first time I've heard about it recently. When I was in school, I had a speech class and one of our assignments was to get assigned a law from this book and stay in front of the class and speak on it and what it means to us and how it can be translated into real life. And at the time I, I hated speaking in front of people, but that class was actually very very good for me build up self-esteem and confidence to speak to people and speak to groups and not having the issues it definitely translated to when I was on the sports field to become a leader and I know that's just a little bit of side note but I definitely appreciate the class so I already had an understanding of what the class was I already I mean I'm sorry what the book was but I never really got too far into it besides like that project. This is what it looks like right here for all my visual learners watching this. And as I started learning about the book and seeing it in different things, I've been getting mixed reviews from people that have read it and people that were told about the book. So one, in my opinion of this book, it's very manipulative to a certain extent. But you could also say, yeah, I don't want to read it because it's too manipulative and just disrespectful. It seems like, but you could also say, "I'm gonna read it so I can understand that some of the things I'm reading in this book don't happen to me." Now I got to the first six laws so far because I'm gonna do is that uh, a few episodes of six in each to explain the whole book. So I got through one through six, and one through six, I found that were very intriguing, very important. Some of the things I've already done or already do now just naturally. And I, man, I'm, I'm falling in love with this. It's, it's absolutely insane. So I'll just get right into it. So the first law of this book, law number one says never outshine your master. And the easiest way that I can compare this or say this or how I can really explain this is think of that one annoying classmate you had that always challenged a teacher, that always thought they were smarter than that, the actual teacher. And, and those students always got pushback from a teacher because you're almost challenging authority with less experience or no experience at all in a subject. You're trying to tell the teacher you're smarter than them and it always backfires. That's never a good thing to challenge the teacher. Going forward, I've seen examples of how that relates in my personal life just at work. There's a sales rep position at my job and then there's a position below them called a CAM, which is clinical... Account manager, I believe it's called. Yes. And they're the person that answers the questions for the hospitals when they have questions on certain things or gives information on certain products. And the next step for that is a sales rep. So the sales rep that we initially had, the cam came in after him, way less experience, but it always seemed like the, the cam was always trying to outshine the sales rep, always trying to make himself look better in front of the doctors and nurses than the actual sales rep. Well, those two never seemed to get along. Ever. I mean, it was always conflict between them. They never could see eye to eye. And I could see where that could be kind of annoying. Like you're kind of stepping on your toes, like you're learning from this person, but you're trying to outshine them when in reality, you should make them look good in front of other people. So the better you make them look, the better they feel, the more they're going to teach you, the more they're going to respect you and try to put you into that position. But when you're overstepping boundaries, even if you don't even mean to, some people that maybe insecure is going to look at that as like, Oh, they're trying to outshine me. And I need to do everything I can so that they don't get to that position or they don't get to everything they could have if they just stayed the course. So in the book, they gave an example of a man. I'm probably going to butcher this name. Nicholas Fouquet. Fouquet. It's French. And he was a finance minister of Louis the 14th. Well, the, Finance minister or the prime minister had passed away, so he thought that he was next in line to get the position. But what he did was he threw a party for Louis the Fourteenth. But he made it very extravagant. He made it very fun. He had all these people here. It was just a, it was just an all-out insane party. He thought in his mind that he was doing Louis the Fourteenth a favor. But Louis the Fourteenth was an arrogant man. A man that liked to outshine everybody around him. Outshine everybody that was near him. He was a man that always wanted the attention. Well, this this party turned the attention to the guy that threw the party for Louis Fourteenth, Well, eventually, Louis Fourteenth had this guy jailed and then killed because in his mind, he was outshining the king. But that was not a sole purpose. And I looked at it and was like, wow, he, he did it even when he didn't even mean to. Like, you should always make the person that's teaching you, your master, your coach, Whoever's above you trying to get you into that position, always make them look better and never try to outshine them. I always like it is never bite the hand that's feeding you. Yeah, they're bringing you under their wing. They're showing you what's up. They're trying to teach you. Don't don't ruin that. Don't try to show them up. Let them be the teacher. And now this doesn't mean to be subservient to them, doesn't mean to be a slave to them. But you just have to know when and where to do this. Some things it's just not needed so i always looked at that i was never a kid that used to challenge authority because i thought i was better than my dad i just never did that i always just stayed down so i got my opportunity in that position and then i just moved on with it i never tried to be better than everybody else or what you could do is it what the book explains is if they're teaching something or they're showing something to you or more people don't try to change what they're teaching but more so Agree with it. And like add your input to it too. So it seems like you're like. Oh it's a great idea. We, want, we can add this too. So okay. you could, Then you can work together. But never just try to outshine the one that's ahead of you. Trying to teach you. So the law number two was. Never put too, many, too much trust in friends. And learn how to use your enemies. So when I read this one. I kind of already had a feeling. Going on with that sense of subject. Is never trust your friends too much. Well I never trust people too much anyway. But even like friends because you never know their true intentions you'll never fully know anybody mom dad sister but never know anybody let alone your friends so and uh an example they gave in this by the guy he went by michael the third he was an emperor of the byzantine empire or ruler for the byzantine empire so uh, he was powerful he had a lot of money and the story goes on he talks about a guy named basilius which was somebody that was like the lead of his horse stable or something like that where eventually they became good friends he got a lot of trust in them he moved them up into the ranks well as basilius started to get higher up in ranks gaining more money gaining more allies more power it became a time where michael needed some money because it was running thin Well, michael also was losing allies so he was starting to fall below fall below basilius well, when he asked Basilius for money. Basilius didn't give him any money and he thought that was like a stab in the back. Long story short, Michael was killed and beheaded and Basilius was riding around with Michael's head. While he was on a horseback on a pole or some sort of object we could hold the head up with. And an example of today's world recently, there was a rapper by the name of BTB Savage. I believe he's from Cleveland, but he blew up in Houston or some. I, I may not be correct, but that's what everything I was seeing Well, come to find out that he was was in a situation to where he had to use self-defense to protect himself in an apartment or wherever he was. He bragged about the situation. He posted pictures about what happened in the situation that he was still alive and made fun of the guy he killed. Shortly after he did that, he was shot up in his car and killed. His mom has been posting all over social media that his right-hand man set him up. This is the same guy that he used to call his brother, his bro, his friend. That he was teaching how to get money. He was helping this guy blow up his career. He was teaching him all types of things about life and everything. And come to find out, this guy ended up deleting his Instagram. He went into BTB Savage's residence after he was dead. and He cleaned him of his money, his jewelry, everything. Just dirtied, dirtied him. He backdoored him. He apparently, allegedly, according to his mom, he was the one that gave up BTB Savage. He was the one that told the people that killed him where he was at. When it happened and he filmed the situation too while he was in his apartment and when his friend was dead on the street, and that's just crazy. And like that said, that that recently just happened, but I will probably say within the last like couple months. And as I'm reading the comments on the YouTube video of them explaining the situation, I saw some pretty interesting comments on there. And it, it, one of them said, Some people are blending in to be a friend to meet your family just so they could do homework on you, they could be a party like your ops or your opposition or your rivals the entire time, but you don't know who this person is. You just met them thinking they are cool. They're just doing homework on you. They're just learning how they can get a one up on you and eventually backdoor you or take over, uh, take over whatever you have because they want it because like, money and jury and power. It, it's, it's greed or well, in all it's greed. And that seems to be what a lot of these census killings are about. Just like the story said by Louis 14th. Greed. He wanted attention, all the power, all the money. He thought that somebody was trying to outshine him and the person was killed. This law also goes to explain how you should use your enemies to help you get what you want. And it gave multiple examples. But one of the examples was this army was captured by another larger army. Well, the head of that army, normally they'll get killed because they tried to obviously they tried to fight him when they captured him. So the head of these different armies at the time when they were captured, they were fearful of their life. They thought they were going to be killed because they just got captured. Turns out the leader of the country that captured them, he didn't kill them. He showered them with women, food, shelter, wealth, housing, everything. And the book goes on to explain that how these captured leaders became his best, became his best, uh, men. Because it goes to explain that when you capture enemy or you get your enemy to help, they actually have something to prove. Like, okay, you spare my life. All right, I'm gonna do what I need to do, and get you what you need. And that's why they always say, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. And I never really understood that statement until I really looked into it and saw like all the examples and started reading in this book, and it explained it perfectly. Last couple of things with this law is it, it, it teaches you to be more self reliant. Like, do as much as you can by yourself, and not having to rely on so many other people. And don't become too invested in loyalty. Because like I said, you never know your true intentions of your friends. You will never fully know anybody. Because there's, I always say, there's people have three faces. The one they have when they're by themselves. The one they have when they're with their family and friends. And the one they have when they're meeting strangers. Everybody has it. Everybody is not the same 100% of the time. I don't care how many people brag about it. When you're alone, you're different than with your family. And then when you're different, when you're meeting strangers. So moving on to law three, law three is conceal your intentions, which means whatever your next move is, keep everything to yourself. Be discreet, be hard to figure out because then anybody that's plotting against you, anybody that may be your competition, they don't know what to do because they don't know your next move. This will also let you gain a tactical advantage and avoid any unwanted attention and interference, with whatever plans you have. So if you're ready to start a business or you're somebody out here in the streets doing dirt or you're a politician always keep people off track so they can't create barriers or unwanted stuff that you don't want out that everybody can know like keep yourself a mystery you know i used to hear people tell females all all the time like not posting like her her whole body out and you know keep a mystery like keep people thinking because when you keep people thinking you always had that attention because they can't easily figure you out you're interesting to them but if you're easily figured out and you're predictable you're probably not going to get too much respect. You're probably not going to get too much pushback. because People just won't care because you just they see what you are right there. So the book gives an example on this. I know I'm going to butcher this name again. I apologize. Ninon Delen Cl- Len Close. And basically, she was someone that taught people how to get women, get what they want, right? And there was a gentleman by the name of Marquis de Sevigny. I know I can pronounce that one. So he noticed that there was a woman that he really wanted and he didn't know how to get her. Like they said, this man, he was powerful. He had money. He had a whole bunch of good looking women around him. And this person, nine Ninon, was telling him what to do. Like be discreet. Don't go right at the girl and tell her how confess your feelings. You know, do things to keep her curious, to keep her on her heels because she doesn't know what's next. So long story short, the guy acted like he didn't want it. He was always around like pretty women. So. Basically, she told him that a woman always wants a man that's, that she could see that's wanted. So they hung out, but he kept it brief. He never really showed too many intentions, never showed any type of romance towards her. Just kind of just kept it cordial. Like, hey, how you doing? Kept it short. And then he would show a little bit of, like, flirtatious attitude and a little bit of attention to her. And then she didn't know what to expect. Well, when he gave up his true intentions, it messed the whole situation up. He confessed his love for well, she got scared and she realized what his true intentions were and she backed up and the book explains that their whole situation was never the same again. Which I understand because I'm a male. I know when you, if you chase a girl that may be like out of your league or someone that's like wanted, you, you got to create some type of secrecy of your intentions. If not, you going to be a dime a dozen and she thinks you're just like everybody else. Another example I gave is a guy by the name of Otto von Bismarck. He was... A leader of Prussia and one of his dreams was to unify all of Germany so it came a time when a bunch of countries were decided they want to go to war he kept speaking heavily against war so everybody would let their guard down and then eventually he went to war when everybody wasn't paying attention and he was able to conquer all these other countries you know these lands to unify Germany so he threw everybody off because they didn't know his real intentions he hid it from everybody and then when time came down to it, to his real plan that nobody knew he, he conquered. He was successful in doing what he planned on doing. So I'm just going to conclude that one. Is just be hard to figure out. Don't don't be too out there doing things that are predictable. Don't tell people your true goals. Just do what you need to do. Create the least amount of friction in your process you can, and then you'll be successful. So moving on to law four. Always say less than necessary. And this is the law that I had when I was in college. And I remembered this from that day that I had to do that report When I when I meet new people I only just tell them like my name You know where I'm from I keep it brief I don't tell them anything personal Because I don't want them to have the upper edge of me I don't want them to know too much about me And they can eventually use that against me For whatever reason Because people are weird nowadays They can use that type of information against me The quietest man in the room is always the smartest Because if you let people talk they They'll talk forever And they'll tell you everything you need to know about somebody so then you could always formulate opinions or views on what you want to do moving forward past that because people will give themselves up. You can get people talking easily, but the one that can hold his tongue the longest will always be the smartest and the strongest person in the room. So the example that the book gave for this, there was a high ranking military personnel named Carole Cario in Rome. So if people knew about them, they knew about them. They didn't know too much about them. But he was a fierce warrior, had always won all these battles in war. Well, he tried to take his dab into politics. Well, long story short, with that, when he started speaking more and more, he was saying way too much. He was arrogant. And then eventually the people just stopped listening to him. They stopped liking him. And they kind of turned away from him. So at first he had his attention. He had their attention because they didn't know much about him. He wasn't a very friendly face. It was out there. It was seen all the time. But when he dabbed into politics, His speeches, he said one, he had a speech. Okay, this guy's interesting. Well, then his next speech, it got worse. And then the third speech got worse to the point where the people started to resent him. So the townspeople started to hate what he said. So then they said they demanded an apology from him. So then he went to give an apology. I'll to say he was sorry for whatever he said, but he didn't. He kept speaking. He kept becoming more arrogant and arrogant. Eventually, it got him killed because it kicked him off a mountain. And I know that kind of just came on kind of strong, but that's what happened. Only say what's necessary. I always try to keep a mystery. And I I look at it almost as like for guys. When you ask your girl, hey, are you okay? And she's like, mm-hmm. Or you just give very short answers. You don't know what she, what she truly means, if she means it or not. And that's like the best example I can give because like, you be, oh, you're all right. But then at the back of your mind, you're sitting there like, all right, maybe she's not all right. Maybe she isn't what, what she's not actually feeling okay. Maybe I should try to find, like, you always keep them guessing. And that's the whole point of it, because the more you stay in somebody's mind, they're going to pay attention to you. So if you're starting a business or you're someone that has a lot of power, say less, because you'll always have people guessing your sec, your next move. They won't know. And one of the quotes from this, this law really got to me it said, The human tongue is a beast to tame. And some people just can't tame it, because when some people run their mouth too much, if they can't control the words. that means they can't control themselves and that means you give them no respect i mean that's just what it is always want to keep a little mysterious mysterious in your personality all right so law number five states so much depends on your reputation guarded with your life and this one was one of the laws that really kind of hit me because before i was a man i don't care what people think about me well in in turn you really you should right because no, like I said, nobody. Or like I said, nobody's gonna know your true intentions. They're just not. But but having a good reputation can pass along to a lot of people. So if you're a good guy, right, and you're trying to talk to a girl, you have a good reputation for who you are. You're an honest person. You know, you work hard. You know that girl's probably gonna give you the attention. You got a good reputation. Trying to get a job, people know you. Oh, how do you know that guy? He's a he's a good worker, smart guy having a good reputation, there you go. So it could work in your favor. Then you have examples like Tiger Woods, for example. He was a great guy, great golfer, all that. And then his reputation was ruined for a long time when he got caught with that cheating scandal. And his wife beat his car with golf clubs and all things like that. And that that can go for anybody. For example, look at now, John Moran. He was a great basketball player. Everybody liked him. Now he's getting in trouble for stupid stuff. His reputation is that he's a wannabe thug. I want to be gangster. He's flashing guns when he has a $200 million contract that he signed. So he can do so much good, but people are always going to remember the bad that he did. And it's crazy. I don't know why he's acting like that, but nowadays, and even back in history, you're, you are judged off your appearance because that's the first thing that people see. They don't care about the behind the scenes stuff or how you actually are. They're going to judge you off your appearance, appearance, and I, and I try my best not to do that, but I'm human. We all make mistakes. I, I, I fall victim to that statement. So a lot of times if I see like a girl with colored hair, rainbow stickers all on her car, I'm going to think she's more of a liberal. Because, I mean, that's just a stereotype, but that's just how I judge it off the appearance without even actually knowing that person. And the example they gave for this section... There was A guy named P.T. Barnum Who wanted to buy a museum They didn't end up selling to him For whatever reason they sold it to somebody else So then he was like okay well you did me wrong And eventually he came and Bought the museum And then the people he bought it from They tried to do something else Well he pointed out how bad they were At this situation he was blasting them Blasting their weakness So when you ridicule your opponents like that You bring attention to them you put them on defense, but you bring attention to yourself. So eventually when they tried to bounce back after some museum and doing something else, they had a bad reputation and they eventually closed and he won that whole situation. Because when you have a bad reputation, you put doubt in people's mind. And doubt is a very powerful thing to put on somebody because when, when doubt arises, oh, for people that like who you're trying to get to support you, it may never come back. They always may keep that same doubt uh, mindset. So I thought that one was that one was definitely pretty pretty interesting. Because before like I said I used to not care what people thought about me, but now I'm like you know what, because people can talk about you. A lot of people are ignorant they just, Oh, you said that about him. I'm gonna believe it rather than formulate my own opinion after meeting that person. That's just how a lot of people are. For the last law, law number six, it says court attention at all costs. Meaning, in simplest terms, all publicity is good publicity. So, going back to P.T. Barnum, if I'm not mistaken, this sounds like Barnum and Bailey's Circus. It sounds like, because this was like back in the 1800s. He had the museum, but he always did weird things to get people's attention to bring them to the museum. To, and he turned it monetary, where they were buying tickets to go to his museum. So, he had a guy that was just laying bricks in a weird way. And eventually, he started getting people's attention. So, then they were, he would walk through the museum to get to the other side to lay bricks. He had people walking through the museum. Well, the people so were so interested in what this guy was doing, they were buying tickets to go into the museum to keep following him. Then... Another tactic he did, he hired some of the worst musicians he could and said free music. So, well, the music was so bad because they were actually bad musicians that the people wanted to get away from it. So, they went to the museum to get away from the music. So, he was selling more tickets to get into the museum. And it just goes to show that you have to be dynamic. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. You got to be creative if you want to get into the spotlight, to the limelight. A lot of people, that they call it now, they, I guess, chasing clout or trying to get attention. So, a lot of people be on the internet doing weird things to get attention button sometimes it, it gets momentum and it carries on and that's exactly what he did he was doing all kind of weird things he got a midget and lied about oh who, who he was and how powerful he was well then people were coming to see the midget and they was just, he was making up all kinds of things about it and he even also had like a mystical creature he put like a monkey on like an old mermaid's body and he had skeptics saying it wasn't real so they were paying money to come see it so he, everything he was doing was to get attention he did not care whatever he did he just wanted to be The center of attention. Because the one thing you don't want is to be ignored. That is one of the most powerful things things that can happen to somebody that can like deter them away from their goals is being ignored. You don't want to be ignored because that doesn't turn to money. That doesn't turn to anything, especially when you're trying to sell something or create a business or get your name out there. You want attention. Thomas Edison, for example, back in the day, he was always talking about inventions that weren't going to come anytime soon in that time period. But speaking of. Topics like that got people always talking about him, got him always in the news They, they he was in. He had real estate in people's minds. And at the time, his uh, his biggest rival was Nikola Tesla. So he he did so much to get attention to him, whether it was call out Nikola Nikola Tesla or just talk about inventions that he was thinking about or working on. He always had attention. And, helped, and that was the main goal, because one thing that people seem to crave nowadays are enigmas, meaning something that can't be instantly interpreted, consumed or, consumed, or seized. So going back to what I said earlier, keep it a mystery. People love to constantly interpret different things and form different opinions on stuff that they just can't fully grasp. It's just, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but someone that is famous for that now is the rapper Kevin Gates. That man is always saying or doing something just weird, but people will always tune in to see what he says or does because it's, it's attention-grabbing, like how... He said he started a woman's car battery with just his hands and praying. He also talked about how his brother's penis was bigger than his. He talked about how whenever he had girls over the house, if they wanted to give him oral sex, they had to give oral sex to his dog. Now, that's just barbaric. Now, we don't know if he's actually lying or he's just saying this to stay relevant, like with his music and everything. But it's just it's attention grabbing. My friends send video. Me and my friends and I, we send videos to each other all the time about what Kevin Gates says, because it's always interesting. But I'll close it out with with this law. You don't want to be too thirsty. You don't want to do things too much or too aggressive because they can be seen as low self-esteem, low self-confidence, so you want attention. So with all these laws, you want to use them in certain situations. You don't always want to use, use it for everyday life. You got to pick and choose your battles. And that's another thing I'm hoping that this book is going to explain later on. Is to pick and choose what you, what and how you use these laws. Because like I said before, as I was doing, like looking at reviews with this book, a lot of people say a lot of things. Saying it's manipulative. they want to read it, it's dangerous, it's for psychopaths. Like I, I agree with the first six so far. I still have 42 more. And I'm going to give my honest opinion on ones that I will bring into my life and ones that I will get rid of or ones that I won't pay attention to. But again, this is the book 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And in my opinion so far, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And until next time, I appreciate you guys for listening. I have merchandise up. I'm going to create a site this week. So go in there. I have shirts. I'm going to create some hats and everything. I'm going to continue to put out content on certain trends, current trends, personal development, mental health, all that. And I hope you guys all enjoy the content and have a great day.